one of the foundations, foundation bricks of modern science, especially modern psychology, is a brilliant treatise so hefty that it is literally rather brick-like. Kant's A Critique of Pure Reason, published in 1781. In Kant's account, the mind relies on what he termed a priori forms, quote-unquote, abilities and ideas within us that are present first before all explanations, and from which everything else follows. On the subject of consciousness, therefore, Kant had a clear answer. There is no explaining the magic. It is simply supplied to us by divine act. Quite literally, the magician did it. Hippocrates, Descartes, and Kant represent only three particularly prominent accounts of the mind from the history of science. I could go on describing one famous account after the next and yet get no closer to insight. Even if we fast forward to modern neuroscience and examine the many proposed theories of consciousness, almost all of them suffer from the same limitation. They are not truly explanatory theories. They point to a magician but do not explain the magic. One of the first groundbreaking neurobiological theories of consciousness was proposed in 1990 by the scientists Francis Crick, the co-discoverer of the structure of DNA, and Christoph Koch. They suggested that when the electrical signals in the brain oscillate, they cause consciousness. The idea, which I will discuss in greater detail later in the book, goes something like this. The brain is composed of neurons that pass information among each other. Information is more efficiently linked from one neuron to another and more efficiently maintained over short periods of time. If the electrical signals of neurons oscillate in synchrony, therefore consciousness might be caused by the electrical activity of many neurons oscillating together. This theory has some plausibility. Maybe neuronal oscillations are a precondition for consciousness. But note that once again, the hypothesis is not truly an explanation of consciousness. It identifies a magician. Like the Hippocratic account, the brain does it, quote-unquote, which is probably true. Or like Descartes' account, the magic fluid inside the brain does it, which is probably false. This modern theory stipulates that, quote, the oscillations in the brain do it, unquote. We still don't know how. Suppose that neuronal oscillations do actually enhance 
the reliability of information processing that is impressive and on recent evidence apparently likely to be true. But by what logic does that enhance information processing cause the inner experience? Why an inner feeling? Why should information in the brain, no matter how much it signal strength, rather, no matter how much its signal strength is boosted, improved, maintained, or integrated from brain site to brain site, become associated with any subjective experience at all? Why is it not just information without the add-on of awareness? For this type of reason, many thinkers are pessimistic about ever finding an explanation of consciousness. The philosopher Calmers in 1995 put it in a way that has become particularly popular. He suggested that the challenge of explaining consciousness can be divided into two problems. One, the easy problem, is to explain how the brain computes and stores information. Calling this problem easy is, of course, a euphemism. What is meant is something more like technically possible problem given a lot of scientific work. In contrast, the hard problem is to explain how we become aware of all that stuff going on in the brain. Awareness itself, the essence of awareness, because it is presumed to be non-physical, because it is by definition private, seems to be scientifically unapproachable. Again, calling it the hard problem is a euphemism. It is the impossible problem. We have no choice but to accept it as a mystery. In the hard problem view, rather than try to explain consciousness, we should marvel at its insolubility. The hard problem view has has a pinch of defeatism in it. I suspect that for some people, it also has a pinch of religiosity. It is to keep your scientific hands-off-my-mystery perspective. One conceptual difficulty with the hard problem view is that it argues against any explanation of consciousness without knowing what explanations might arise. It is difficult to make a cogent argument against the unknown. Perhaps an explanation exists such that Once we see what it is, once we understand it, we will find what it makes sense, that it makes sense, and accounts for consciousness. The current scientific study of consciousness reminds me in many ways of the scientific blind alleys in understanding biological evolution. Charles Darwin published his book, The Origin of Species, in 1859. But long before Darwin, naturalists had already suspected that one species of animal could evolve 
into another and that different species might be related in a family tree. The idea of a family tree was articulated a century before Darwin by Linnaeus in 1758. What was missing, however, was the trick. How was it done? How did various species over time to become different from each other and to become sophisticated at doing what they needed to do? Scholars explored a few conceptual blind alleys, but a plausible explanation could not be found since nobody could think of a mechanistic explanation since a mechanistic explanation was outside the realm of human imagination, since the richness and complexity of life was obviously too magical for a mundane account. A deity had to be responsible. The magician made it happen. One should accept the grand mystery and not try too hard to explain it. Then Darwin discovered the trick. A living thing has many offspring. The offspring vary randomly among each other, and the natural environment being a harsh place allows only a select few of those offspring to procreate, passing on their winning attributes to future generations. Over geological expanses of time, increment by increment, species can undergo extreme changes. Evolution by natural selection. Once you see the trick behind the magic, the insight is so simple as to be either distressing or marvelous, depending on your mood. As Huxley, Huxley famously put it in the letter to Darwin, quote, how stupid of me not to have thought of that, unquote. The neuroscience of consciousness is, one could say, pre-Darwinian. We're pretty sure that the brain does it, but the trick is unknown. Will science find a workable theory of the phenomenon of consciousness? In this book, I propose a theory of consciousness that I hope is unlike most previous theories. This one does not merely point to a magician, it does not merely point to a brain structure or to a brain process and claim without further explanation ergo consciousness. Although I do point to specific brain areas, and although I do point to a specific category of information processed in a specific manner, I also attempt to explain the trick itself. What I am trying to articulate in this book is not just Here's the magician that does it, but also here's how the magician does it. For more than 20 years, I studied how vision and touch and hearing are combined in the brain and how that information might be used to coordinate the movements of the limbs. I summarized much of that work in a previous book, The Intelligent Movement Machine in 2008. These scientific issues may seem far from the topic of consciousness, but over the years I began to realize that basic insights about the brain, about sensory processing and movement control, 
provided a potential answer to the question of consciousness. The brain does two things that are of particular importance to the present theory. First, the brain uses a method that most neuroscientists call attention. Lacking the resources to process everything at the same time, the brain focuses its processing on a very few items at any one time. Attention is a data handling trick for deeply processing some information at the expense of most information. Second, the brain uses internal data to construct simplified schematic models of objects and events in the world. Those models can be used to make predictions, try out simulations, and plan actions. What happens when the brain inevitably combines those two talents? In the theory outlined in this book, awareness is the brain's simplified schematic model of the complicated data handling process of attention. Moreover, a brain can use the construct of awareness to model its own attentional state or to model someone else's attentional state. For example, Harry might be focusing his attention on a coffee stain on his shirt. You look at him and understand that Harry is aware of the stain. In the theory, much of the same machinery, the same brain regions and computational processing that are used in a social context to attribute awareness to someone else are also used on a continuous basis to construct your own awareness and attribute it to yourself. Social perception and awareness share a substrate. How that central, simple hypothesis can account for awareness is the topic of this book. The attentional, rather the attention schema theory as I eventually called it, takes a shot at explaining consciousness in a scientifically plausible manner without trivializing the problem. The theory took rough shape in my mind, in my consciousness, let's say, over a period of about 10 years. I eventually outlined it in a chapter of the book for the general public, God, Soul, Mind, Brain published in 2010, and then in a standalone neuroscience article that I wrote with Sabine Kastner in 2011. When that article was published, the reaction convinced me that nothing, absolutely nothing, about this theory of consciousness was obvious to the rest of the world. A great many reaction pieces were published by experts on the topic of mind and consciousness and a great many more unpublished commentaries were communicated to me. Many of the commentaries were enthusiastic, some were cautious, and few were in direct obvious opposition. I am grateful for the feedback, which helped me to further shape the ideas and their presentation. It is always difficult to communicate new idea. It can take years for the scientific community to figure out what you're talking about 
and just as many years for you to figure out how best to articulate the idea. The commentaries, whether friendly or otherwise, convinced me beyond any doubt that a short article was nowhere near sufficient to lay out the theory. I needed to write a book. The present book is written both for my scientific colleagues and for the interested public. I've tried to be as clear as possible, explaining my terms, assuming no technical knowledge on the part of the reader. To the neuroscientists and cognitive psychologists, I apologize in my explanations are more colloquial than is typical in academia. I was more concerned with explaining concepts than with presenting detail. To the non-experts, I apologize if the descriptions are sometimes a little wonkish, especially in the second half of the book. I try to strike a balance. My purpose in this book is to explain the new theory in a step-by-step manner, to lay out some of the evidence that supports it, and to point out the gaps where the evidence is ambiguous or has yet to come in, especially in the topic of consciousness. I've discovered how easy it is for people to half-listen to an idea, pigeonhole it, and thereby conveniently dismiss it. My task in this book is to try to explain the theory clearly enough that I can communicate at least some of what it has to offer. None of us know for certain how the brain produces consciousness, but the attention schema theory looks promising. It explains the main phenomena. It is logical, conceptually simple, testable, and already has support from a range of previous experiments. I do not put the theory in opposition of the three or four other major neuroscientific views of consciousness. Rather, my approach fuses many previous theories and lines of thought, building a single conceptual framework combining strengths. For all these reasons, I am enthusiastic about the theory as a biological explanation of the mind, a consciousness itself, and I am eager to communicate the theory properly. Mm